0: Welcome to another episode of Psyche of Sales, lucky enough this week to have Alastair Barr and Ali is from Striver, the CEO and founder and we're really excited to have him because he talks about what it's like not being a natural salesperson, but being thrown into the world of sales, what it's like being an entrepreneur and how to encourage your team to really go out and try and break things to see what we can create, that it's okay to try 20 things and only have a couple of them work but also how to be resilient and how to look after yourself to get through some of these tough times. So I hope you get something out of it. And if you do, we'd love it if you could like it, share it, and please tell as many people as you can because we want to get this message out to a lot of people. Really excited today to have Alastair Barr joining us. Ali, thanks good to for, see you.
1: Thanks for having us, Johnny. have been talking about this for a while. I'm really excited to be it's here. It's been
0: a few months, hasn't it, that we've been talking about this. So uh, I think between our diaries, to get an hour or so together, I think it's been challenging, but um, appreciate you coming in and doing it.
1: No, very excited, mate.
0: Now, um, as you know, Psyche of Sales, its purpose is really just to get into the thinking of salespeople. And I think that One of the reasons I love chatting to you, even if it's off camera, and I think we we spent most of the time today talking off camera, we thought we might as well turn it on, is you have sales as part of what you do, but you're also, you're really an entrepreneur. And I thought if we sort of tackle into that spirit of of entrepreneurship as well as sales today, I think our our listeners and viewers will get heaps out of it. Yeah, that sounds good. I, I don't know if I always think
1: about myself as a salesperson or an entrepreneur either or, but I definitely, when I step back, I think about it like that.
0: Yeah. Well, what's interesting about it, though, I think everyone in in who runs businesses, or you know, we talk about sommeliers at a bottle sh- at a restaurant. You know, I, I think of them as always their salespeople. They just aren't necessarily, you know, they're not in sales, so to speak. So whether you're raising money, you're bringing clients on, and, and in a moment, I'm going to ask you to describe what it is that you do. But I think in essence, we're all in sales, but a lot of us are in technical sales, so to speak. And so it's around that influence and, and how do we communicate? Mm. Before we get started, I thought that I'd quickly explain what it is that we're going yeah. to be drinking today. So That's we've good. got a, a nice Chardonnay from Burgundy. Yeah. It's a Bourgogne Blanc, right? So we just put it there from one of the, the boys end. Group from there, and I thought I'd put it through, and I've been told that it is—it uh, fights above its weight, so to speak. Yeah, good. And um, it's going to be nice, crisp, clean, but just that bit of uh, oak and bit of body that we've got from there. So, cheers, and hope you enjoy.
1: Thank you very much. It should make the conversation flow better, too. Well, it always helps, doesn't it? It always <laughs> helps,
0: and it allows me to combine two of my passions, which is um, you know, wine and sales. And uh, if only we could involve the West Tigers, then uh, it'd be a trifecta (laughs) for us as well. Yeah, that's right. So, why don't we start with with what it is that you do? You're CEO and founder of Striver, is that right? Yeah.
1: Yeah. So, Striver was kind of a love project that um, that sort of got me through a period of moving between leaving corporate world and trying to work out what I wanted to be when I grow up. And I kind of I ask that question every single day, which is kind of the fun part of how I sort of think about the business is what do I want to be when I grow up, and asking myself that question. And we, what we do is we work with um, and, um, a bunch of university students and a bunch of wealth management businesses and we connect them for fulfilling careers. We expand that out into software and a few different other sort of businesses and banking and accounting and so forth, but we built this technology platform which we're constantly investing in to, to, make it kind of service this middle market of new entrant talent effectively and efficiently so that we get greater outcomes for you know, jobs and for businesses looking to scale and grow.
0: And if you break that down, because a lot of your clients are probably similar to our yeah. clients as well, there's a desperate need for talent. Yeah, and obviously these people are coming out and really want to connect into roles, and so you built a technology platform that allows you to connect the two. Is that fair yeah, to say?
1: Yeah, yeah. And I was talking to someone today about it too. Going, it's sometimes you know, we were talking about who our competitors are, and there's large organisations which are really obviously great opportunities for young people to connect with. But there's a below the tip of that iceberg. There's so many great organisations doing great things that need good talent, and there's kind of both spectrums as the, you know the the expensive hands-on um you know recruitment consultant and then there's you know the jobs board and the online jobs boards which but there's there's no sort of middle ground that's looking at that entry-level talent that does it really meaningfully and connects with purpose and that's
0: where we really kind of focused on um with the product that we've built you know I, i might be taking us a little bit off track here but but i I was fortunate last year that one of our clients, I know you're well connected with, but I'm not going to who that is, but um, in the insurance industry, and they they paid for me to fly around the country and facilitate think tanks with financial planners and advisors. So there was a dozen in Adelaide, a dozen in Perth and so on. And we're asking them what some of their biggest challenges were. And one of my directions was, if we start saying when it comes to insurance, We'll have a very focused discussion and we won't really understand what mm. drives these, these planners and advisors. So we're asking them in any world what their challenge is. And, and one of them was, how do you recruit quality staff? How do you find talent? And then how do you onboard that talent? So how do you find people who are actually interested in joining the industry? Then once they're there, how do we onboard them? How do we train them? How do we get them up and running to, to be- And retain them. And retain them, yeah. Um, when it's not just paying more money and more money, you know, it's, it's how do we actually offer them a career in this industry? Yeah. And so I think that the, the world you're playing in is a big world and it's a necessary mm-hmm. one. And there was, um, the founder, I forgot his name, Rich, someone, uh, the founder of Zillow in the States, the big sort of real estate yeah. market. I know they've had a tougher time, but he's a serial entrepreneur. And he talks about this idea of, you know, you find, uh, an area, a, a big ocean. Uh, to fishing and you go to a place where there's loads of fish and then you find quality people to, to go fish there and you're going to be successful and so I think you've you've got an area where there's loads of fish and I know you've got quality people so I think uh, needless to say there'll, there'll be a success yeah well well, that's certainly what we're working towards beautiful yeah. now um, we've worked together and never formally we've yeah. just sort of caught up probably I don't know five years yeah. or so we've we sort of known each other through mutual connections I think it's then turned out we've got many mutual connections across the industry yep. and I suppose I wouldn't mind starting quite quickly that if, if you were to talk to someone in sales, talk to an entrepreneur and say what are a couple of tips or what's some advice that you would give to them? Ah, this is an interesting one. I think um,
1: there's a couple of things that I kind of live by and, and I don't sort of prescribe to any sort of sales cycle or format or something that you could probably help me with. Although you have worked with me about articulating, um, you know, offerings and things like that, so I see that as valuable. But I think people like people. So from a sales perspective, I think people like people, right? Yeah. And and authenticity and genuine interest and understanding of other people <clears throat> um, is a really underrated thing. And I think you know maybe if you're working in an organisation that's large and it's very product centric and so forth, you can kind of lose you know, I must, must get this product in this client's hand, but but ultimately people like people. They like to be listened to. They like to, I remember somebody, I used to work in a bank and we had this old school sales trainer and he used to say, got two ears and one mouth, shut up and, use, uh, shut, shut up and listen, use it in those proportions. Yep. And I kind of always think about that and I don't think of it about sales, but generally people like to talk, right? And yep. if you can actively listen to like you're doing here, you actively listening going, yep, yeah, well, I'm following and use people's names and genuinely show interest in people, that's good. And when I say genuinely show interest in people, it must be authentic, right? Yep. And I think that a lot of that, I feel like that's come with age with me and like skin and knees over the years, especially as a young guy in a bank and, you know, not really having as much self-awareness as I probably could have and in hindsight should have, and then learning over time by skinning my knees that, you know, that's authenticity. That's just being a genuine human being and yeah. ultimately caring about people. So I think sales, I think that's kind of my thing. If you don't care about it or you don't feel for it, you're not genuinely interested in people, you'll, you won't perform well in that. Yeah. And in entrepreneurship, um, I think... Just giving things a crack. And yep. and I hear people talk about technology businesses and I read and listen to all the stuff that people who are interested in technology startups or entrepreneurship listen to around failing fast. And I kind of go, I, it's very easy to say, oh, I set up this company and, and we lose millions of dollars and then we just start another one and we lose millions of dollars and we do that 20 times and eventually we hit something. Yep. But I don't necessarily think that's the failing bit. I think what it means is that you can just try heaps of different things, be really, really curious yep. and, and go, oops, that didn't work, or oops, that did work. And you might try 20 things and one thing's mediocre and one thing does pretty good. And you throw out 18 and a half things and you do another 20 things. And I think that's curiosity and, and having a crack and being nimble. And, and that's hard to do in large organisations because of risk appetite and, and, and layers of complexity. But I think, yeah, um, being curious and having a crack and genuinely liking people and being being authentic.
0: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. And I feel like we could spend literally hours just talking about that. Mm. I think this idea of being genuine, and you said as you're getting older, that becomes easier. Mm. And I certainly know of myself, I think you just become more comfortable in your own skin. You know, this is who I am. I'm sure it could be the the first day you get out of a suit and you're wearing a t-shirt to work and you're being seen in town. You know, I remember myself, I was getting really self-conscious, not wearing a suit. And now I, you know, I've I've been in the city and I'm wearing shorts and a t-shirt and and joggers and I run into a, a CEO of a client and I don't blink. Yeah. yeah, because I'm dressing for how I need to dress that day. Yeah. I, I'm comfortable in my skin. I think I'm an expert at what I do. I'm highly valued and I value myself so I can have a conversation and, and, and be genuine about it. So I think that this being genuinely comfortable in your own skin allows you to be truly authentic. Yeah. But the other thing is that you talked about people like people. And Dr. Robert Cialdini wrote this book, The Principles of Influence. Yep. And I think one of the, well, I don't think, I know that one of his eight principles of influence is like and it's people like people like themselves, right? And so it's that idea of how do we making sure that we're communicating to people how they like to be communicated with in a authentic fashion, Mm. right? And I think um, one of my first ever coaching gigs, I was coaching someone and um, they'll probably listen to this and and hopefully they have a bit of a giggle, but they said, how do you ask all these questions from someone, you know, how do you look interested when you're not interested, Mm. and I said, you better get interested otherwise it's going to be a really long career yeah. right and i think there's that piece of being genuinely curious you know that ability to like. someone recently like i'll sit in a bar when i'm traveling or a restaurant and go out eating on my own and i'll have the best time mm. but i'll also get to know the, the waiter or the waitress i'll get to know the sommelier I'll, mm. I'll find out you know what the the purpose behind the restaurant was i'll just watch people around and just be totally enamored in, in that way of thinking and I think just being genuinely curious allows you to create products, it allows you to test boundaries, It allows you to just connect with people better. I think the connection bits, like just listening to
1: you then going, yeah, how do I do that? Like, how do I kind of sit there and talk all day in five or six sales meetings? and you just quickly have to get to something that you're going to connect on yeah. and whether it's the footy or the weather i love asking people what they do for fun or um you know talking about children or talking about travel or, and i guess maybe then as you get older you've got more things to talk about because you've had more experiences yep. and that's pretty quick you know we I interviewed a, um, a software engineer in our mm-hmm. business this morning um you know 20 years old and and was what do you do for fun and and we instantly you know he let his guard down and it was pretty cool after that because just being able to get a connection because that not only makes the other person feel more comfortable it's authentic and also gives you something that's more interesting to you and you won't be bored just a funny side
0: note when i used to recruit salespeople, one of the things that i would do or or maybe even coaching someone and, and it might sound a little bit evil is i'd use rapport and get them really comfortable and then i would challenge them yeah and i'd get them really uncomfortable yeah. and then i'd try and build rapport again yeah. and because in sales we get thrown a lot yeah. and if we then take things personally it's unlikely you're going to make it yeah right? and, and so that ability to be able to be thrown and then come back whereas you'd see some people just be arms folded they want nothing to do with me off the back of it and, and it's funny i haven't done that in a long time and maybe because you know, it does feel a little bit cruel but it was that idea of how do you actually. Really push and challenge and that, but we want to see what people are like when they're comfortable. Yeah. And then also, what are you going to be like when there's a bit of pressure on?
1: But I think though, probably they performed better in the majority if they'd done the groundwork of of building the report. Like if they were still nervous and they got a tough, like you know, we can just all imagine or we've seen. I don't know. I can't remember being in a situation like this. Yeah. That where you haven't built the report and you're going into sales and you're just like, yeah you know, you're skating on one foot the whole way through and like, it's just going to derail. You know, it's going to derail, right? Yeah. So I think if you, if you, yeah, if you have built the rapport properly and you have been authentic in the relationship, then you can kind of cop
0: anything on the chin. Yeah. Hopefully. But, no, I think it's, I think it's a really good point. And, and I think, you know, it's one of the things that you're in recruitment, so you hopefully relate to this, but it, it frustrates me a little bit, which is coming from a pitch and presentation coach. So it yeah. probably shouldn't as much, but how big a role our ability, to connect and articulate a point is in getting jobs in winning business and so you might find someone in sport they they talk about this all the time where yeah we weren't going to give them a the the role at all but they came in with this amazing presentation and they blew us away and this person just wasn't confident the way they pitched to us and you sit there and think yeah but can they coach a footy team can they coach a cricket team because that's important yeah not, not the ability to come in and blow a board away about a job it's can you do the job yeah and so how often do we actually prep them and and the young guy who came to work for us a couple of years ago who's no longer with us but he's moved into a couple of great roles and and again he'll be he'll be watching this i know because we stay in touch but before he started with us in a business um support role he had to come in for three hours he said he was great at salesforce so we said great look at our salesforce and tell us three hours areas you can improve it I want you to find these three things for me. I'm running late to a meeting. I want you to pick up the phone and call someone and tell them I'm running late. I want you to send an intro email. And we got him to do 10 things that he'll actually do in the job. Yep. And what was interesting is he said, oh, how did I go? And I said, you did perfectly. He goes, really? I thought I made mistakes. I said no, you made loads of mistakes, but you didn't blink at just having a go. Yeah. And that comes to your having a crack piece and just yeah. throwing yourself out there. Don't let you know perfect get in the way of good and just actually get and achieve things, as opposed to getting sort of almost paralysed on perfection. Oh, I think I,
1: I had that exact instance today, and you know, y- young person in the team not wanting, you know, over engineering and exercise. And, well, we need to get this and we need to get the software team. And I said, we don't even know if it's going to be a good product yet. Let's just, you know, this minimum viable product, right, is yeah. I need to get from A to B. We don't need a Tesla to get from A to B. We can do it on a skateboard. Just yeah. do it on a skateboard first before we build the Tesla. Yeah. So, what did you say? Don't get that perfection. Get don't let perfect get in the way of good. That's so good. Yep. I mean, that's exactly the way I think about all this stuff. Because you know, the old days you'd spend four years putting a business plan together and investing all this money to launch it to get flopped because no clients like it. Yeah. Let's see if people ride the skateboard before we build the Tesla. If we don't do that, we're going to
0: burn a lot of time, effort, energy, and a lot of heartache. It, it, it's years ago. I, I ended up working for and buying into a company, uh, Tesla. In the yeah, Tesla, I wish I had. Um, although not a fan of the <laughs> cars personally, but anyway. Um, and with this company I got involved in, it was it was education. It helped people in high school with how they learnt and how they applied their study and so on. Yep. There was a, an online platform and I, and I look back now at that software compared to what you can build now for mm. you know, a tenth yeah. of the price. Um, but they were young geniuses and they were academic. They all got 98 to 100 in their HSC, or sorry, 99.95 mm. back then you couldn't get 100 mm. uh, apparently. And they would come to me with a new product idea. And I said, you haven't sold any of the four that we already have. Yeah. And I said, I'll do you a deal now. Anytime you come to me with a product idea, call five schools and get their interest level. And if you can get two commitments, right, then we'll look at building it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, because you don't need a product. We could build a flyer, and then go and say, "Is this something that interests you?" Hundred yeah. percent. Yeah. And I think sometimes we just want it to be perfect. Now, there's also this um, this piece out there, and I suppose it's a bit of a, I'm asking you more than anything else. But I I listened to this podcast, and it was this company that built a like a LinkedIn for designers, mm-hmm. I forget the name of it, but they, they did a lot of work around um, focus groups yeah. and they're asking artists and designers and they're saying, oh, we need something better. We need something different. Great. So if we built this, would you use it? And they said, oh, well, we already have MySpace. We already have yeah. this. So would you use it? Oh, I'm not sure if you'd use it. And so they did. They had, I think, 10 focus groups lined up. They finished the first one they canceled the other nine. They opened about 10 bottles of wine and there's a group. They sat there, got drunk and built what product they thought the market needed. Mm. And they went to the market and they sold it. Mm. I think it was like a year and a half later, they sold it for 150 million. US. What was that? I forget the name of it, but it was like a, they sold it to Adobe. So I'll have to look it so up. So is, is that like, don't listen
1: to client feedback?
0: I'm not saying don't listen to mm. it, but I think sometimes if you know that you can solve a problem that's there, yeah. if that problem was solvable, maybe people would have solved it already. Does that make sense? Like you think about—I don't know—I think about Slack. You know, was the world out there saying we need another way to communicate with our teams? Mm -hmm. No one thought we needed it. Like if someone came to you early on and said, I'm going to find another way to communicate in addition to WhatsApp, in addition to Messenger, in addition to email, in addition to, you know, text. It's enough already. Will that work for your yeah. teams? You go, no, I think we're good. Yeah, yeah. And yeah, then you yeah, realise yeah. that Slack is a multi-billion dollar company that started as a gaming company. Yeah. If you know that, right? Yeah, so it started yeah, as a yeah. gaming company. Chat room. And they're really clear on what value it is that they add. And now I'm a huge believer in Slack. Yeah. But if you'd asked me in advance, would I buy it? I'd say no. Yeah. Right. But they still followed their intuition so and solved something. It's kind of like, yeah, like
1: so not, not necessarily asking would they buy something, but, you know, like what is the problem or understanding what the problem is that you're you going to solve or, um, you know, understanding pain points and getting early usage, I think, is kind of more of the experiment. Like, yep. how do you get people to early use something? Um because that's sort of where you get product market fit. Can we scale it? Can does it move? Do, do yeah. will people pay for it, and so yeah. forth? But maybe they were asking the wrong questions in those focus groups. Instead of just going, right, we're going to give you something and, and put it in your midst. Maybe yeah. you're better off to say, for the price of building this one beautiful thing, we can for half the price of that we can buy. We can do five iterations of something simpler, yeah. and we're going to start with a little one. And we're going to keep some some pennies in the bank and watch how you go with that and then we're going to iterate on that and you're going to tell us through your feedback how that product sort of evolves.
0: And if you think about, um, I don't know if you've read much about Airbnb and how they started, mm. but no one was interested in that. Because the people with the money to actually invest in their minds are thinking, I wouldn't want to stay in someone's house. I oh, To this day, have only ever stayed in one Airbnb. Have you? Because in my mind, I'm a slow adopter with some of these things. Wow. is right? in yeah, but I could just stay at a really nice hotel, right? <laughs> and I know it's clean, I know it's this. And I realise now that that's actually, you know, I'm about to go away this weekend to watch the Tigers play in Bathurst and I've been online looking and I found these two places that just look perfect yeah. for three, 400 bucks a night, yeah. six minute walk to the stadium and yeah. back. And you're thinking, this is a really clever idea. But when they're pitching it, people said they don't want it. So he solved the problem that a lot of people didn't think existed yeah, yeah, and, yeah. and apparently it's done okay.
1: Well, and, and so and Uber's the other one, right? So like yeah. I think like twenty, fifteen years ago, the two things your mum told you never to do was sleep in someone else's <laughs> bed and get in some stranger's car, That's right, right? The two biggest biggest cap companies in the world. I guess it's yes, yeah, it's market utilisation. It's so obvious in hindsight,
0: right? Well, I, I sort of listened to the guys who started Lyft. Yep, and they talk about how many cars exist in the world yeah. and, ha- and, the, and the utilization rates of sure. those cars. And these people need money. Mm. And so it, it's a really obvious link of putting these two together. And whilst it's obvious, it's really expensive to build yeah. and needs huge scale to make any money. And I sort of look at those, um, the founders of the two, Uber and Lyft, who are polar opposites as yeah. human beings, right? Um, one of them has been you know, kicked out of his company and things like this, but walks away a billionaire. I, 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 haven't, you know, I This isn't fact, but I've, I watched Super Pumped and so got an idea of that. He tried things. He was driven. He yeah. threw things at a wall and he, and he had a go at them. Yeah. And so love him or hate him, he... And they hustle, right? Hustle like you wouldn't believe. Yeah. And sometimes on the edge of yeah. the ethical of, hustling. Of craziness. Uh, but at the end of the day, would it have been built If he didn't exist and have that mindset. Yeah, look at WeWork, right? I know that we first met in a WeWork. I
1: hear you talk about it a bit. Yeah, Part of your presentation. I am fascinated by him
0: because his total belief when he was raising capital that other founders couldn't dream of having that level of. of They had
1: soft banks that put billions in
0: it, billions of dollars. Hmm. You know, Uber had um, Google putting money in their venture capital. arm, like yeah. I think it was a hundred million dollars in it but then had certain rules for their hundred million dollars that yeah. they had to put in. You know th- these are people who are great at that sale and without them probably wouldn't have the company they well, have. Well I
1: think but then you've also got very very lots and lots of stories of very poor or well, great salespeople who kind of absolutely destroyed it and lied and cheated their way through the, like Theranos and, and yes. Elizabeth Holmes and those ones like So that you have the sales, and you have the pitch, and you have the story, and then you have the capability and the delivery.
0: And and I I should point out, though, I think Uber were right to get rid of Travis, and Mm. I think they had to get rid of the the WeWork founder, Adam. Like, like I truly believe it. Like, they were were almost cooks in it. Yeah, but I think it was more that they had to then run a business and run a grown-up business. Um, Professor Scott Galloway talks about, um, with Theranos, Elizabeth Holmes, that what's the difference between her and the WeWork founder, Adam? Right, I've got his surname all of a yeah. sudden, and they said she ran out of capital. Yeah, right, both lying to the market, yeah. both dishonest. He was just better at raising capital, yeah, yeah. and maybe if she was able to raise an extra billion dollars, she, she would have developed a product. Pretty good though. Right, but, mm. but imagine if she'd gotten to the point where the product was finally built, mm. she's not going to prison. Mm. He walks away two billion dollars richer, mm. she's in prison for yeah. however many years, yeah, yeah. and I think you know, we may be getting a Oh, this is just the fun conversation part of what <laughs> it we're doing, but but it, it does it, that, that ability there and, and of how big a role hustle plays.
1: Well, I think the, the hustle when I was thinking about Uber is like they would they would go and they would like just go city by city, boots on the ground, grind like finding. I like Uber because I I think about our business like a double-sided market. So I, I like Uber to me and. Um, um, and they, they do use Tinder as a comparison too. Uber has a hard side and an easy side of the market. Yep. And so um, uh, so Uber would measure zeros, right? One of their key metrics on the whiteboard when you walk in Uber would be zeros. Like how many times um, is a rider opening the app and getting z- no drivers?
0: Yeah. Zeros. Okay.
1: How many times will they do that before they move to lift or walk? Right, and and so what's the tolerance for zeros, and and then so they would go and say, right, well now we're going to go to Chicago, and they build that up. So the hard side of market is drivers, because if riders are opening it up and not getting an outcome, the riders going somewhere else. So that's the tough side. Tinder was girls, right? If you know the boys are opening up, there's no girls in there, so you needed to do things to the hard side of the market. So then when Uber's gone out and gone out to each of those cities, they've got to start from the beginning. Right, we need to get drivers. How do we get drivers? What do we? Do? Everything that we're doing is incentivizing drivers and making it easy for drivers to plug on, to refer a friend, to yeah. turn on when no one else is there, to be on the road all the time. Yep. Um, and then they had to just build each of those cities to its own kind of velocity so they could then move on to another city. It wasn't kind of like, we just launched this product and the world took it over.
0: Yeah, and I think that, though, is where we... We often think that these brands, okay, we're moving to here and then Facebook's probably a bit different, right? But Facebook had no cost at either side, right? So mm. it was just free to everybody uh, and they played that, that big picture long game. But as far as, you know, we're going to open in San Fran now, we're going to open in New York now, we're going to open in this, we need drivers. Mm. And if we have drivers, people aren't going to use it because they'll yeah. jump on and there'll be a zero. <clears throat> Airbnb. We need houses to rent. Yeah. And without houses, yeah. like if we if you log on and there's one place in all of San Francisco and it's a it's a hole,
1: and it's expensive, and it's
0: expensive, you are not going to go back on Airbnb yeah, yeah. ever again. Yeah, and I think in that sense, it's it's like sales in any business, isn't it? it? It's you launch a product, you have an existing product, you go to market, and you say, great, how do I convert this market? How do I get people on board with us? What do I have to do? And I think. I use the word hustle, and even as I'm saying it, I feel a bit dirty, mm. because hustle is used by so many 10x entrepreneurs all over Reels on TikTok and, and um, you know Instagram. And it's that idea of, of activity, visibility, and, and making things happen. And when you say trying 20 things, we, we challenge it a little bit, which is don't try 20 at once, because yep. you may not know what works, what isn't. Sure. Tech's a bit different sure. in the sense of you can build something, does it form or does it not um we were talking with the podcast you know how do we get it perfect and we started looking at podcast studios and how do we build the perfect studio and how do we do this and we thought you know what we own a hell of a lot of camera and sound equipment we have two really beautiful chairs i've got a wine fridge full of wine we could just start doing it and talk to people that i know that i find really interesting that i think people will find interesting and i've no doubt in six months from now this will look and feel probably a bit different. But
1: if you went all out for the studio, yep. and then no one liked to chat, exactly. Right, then all of a sudden you've just blown that. So you're way better off to get people following And I'm sure Joe Rogan started you know, without his Texas studio. Like, well, you know, he, he, was, he did, yeah. and he did
0: three a week, every week. Um, Diary of the CEO, Stephen Bartlett, talked about this idea that he was doing it inconsistently for a period of time, yeah. and then he just got the consistency right. And he worked out that if he was consistent for a period, he would get a shoot up in in yeah, viewers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and then when he was inconsistent, they yeah. would drop down. Yeah. And then I think it was like he said, 19 months in, he just saw a, a big lift. Who's that? Uh, Stephen Bartlett from right. Diary of a CEO. Right, so he'd right, be right. in the top five podcast in the yeah, world right. now. He talked about this guy as well, um, Paul, he's like a dating coach. Yeah. And he, he was like an ex lawyer, was making money, quits that and decides, or a psychologist, to get into to be a dating coach. He had, every time he did a YouTube video, he'd have 11 views, 10 views. And he, and he said, nine of them were my mum. Yeah, you know, yeah, from yeah. There.
1: thanks for liking. And
0: then he gets a phone call and it says, hi, I represent Oprah Winfrey. Mm. She saw one of your videos online and would like to talk to you. <laughs> yeah. So he said, it's not about how many viewers you have, yeah, it's who's viewing. Yeah. And, and so if we have 10 people watch this or 20 people yeah. watch this, like we're pretty strong in our belief, right? Of a couple of things. One is you talked about big companies sell product, mm. which is fine. It's not fine. Because unless your product is so differentiated from everybody else's or so much cheaper than everybody else's, product sales won't work. Yeah,
1: products, products probably sell themselves if they're a commodity, right? Of course they are.
0: You know, if, if you're a fund manager that's delivering 60% returns, you don't need a team of 400 people out there selling yeah. it. It'll just sell it. Yeah. The problem is that so many of them are, I don't think they're commoditized, but they become commoditized because we the way we communicate them is commoditized, yeah. right? Our products seem to get closer and closer to everybody else's at the time. Yeah. And, it, and it's, it's that idea of how do you differentiate? So we say the way the world sells is fundamentally flawed, is number one. And we want two, number two is sales to be treated as a true profession. Yeah. Right? So whether you're a, a fund manager who manages money, I'm sorry, if you want to manage real money, you need to be great at selling. Sure. Whether you're running a, a recruitment platform, that, that connects two different groups, yeah. you need to be great at selling. Well, you're Uber. Yeah. You need to be out there on
1: boots on the ground selling.
0: And, and if we truly believe in this, right? and this started wow. literally because I'd finished work, we'd have a glass of wine and we'd talk about our week and things that we mm-hmm. learned, and thought, what if we just put one of these cameras on and just started filming it and yeah. see if people liked it. right? And the one thing I was talked about with you is, when we first caught up, within a day, whatever we talked about, you're doing. Right? It's not like you're then calling a week later saying, Can I, what about this? What about this? You're just doing it. Like, you just make things happen and, and do them. I, I love that in people. And I think it's that idea of, you know, we truly believe it. So, so, why not get it out there? Why not share it with people?
1: Yeah, I reckon. I reckon. And I think people like good conversations. I, I know whenever I do our podcast, it's just if, I like, if I'm having the conversation more than once or regularly, it's a conversation that I think people will find valuable, right? Yeah. And, you know, there might be in this however long we're recording for there might be some stuff in here that's not valuable and we chop it that out but people will find bits and bobs in it that are yeah. that are interesting and valuable and and um, you know and they, and people have time right people multitask now like I yeah. walk in the morning I've got an hour 20 to, to listen to a podcast people are commuting sitting on trains buses and whatever and so yeah. people seem to have time where they can can listen to stuff and as long as it's valuable and interesting and they like yeah. the people then it's valuable
0: 100%. You, you'll see me most mornings in the gym, listening to a podcast, and then in between sets, I'm sending myself emails. I just have this one email most mornings. Yeah. And so, Mel, um, shout out to you, Mel, out there, sees yeah. these random emails of things out there. Sometimes I've got to be careful as well if it's related to team and things like this. So I'll send it to my personal email from yeah. my personal email. But it's just that idea of applying things, applying things. I, I read this book, well, actually, I, I listened to it when I was, I was living down the water through. Um, down by the water through one of the lockdowns yep. and I walked and we're doing this thing for um, JDRF, who's one of our, our partners and clients that were doing one walk. And so you got to walk hundred Ks for the month. Yep. And I did this thing where in my mind, I wanted to continue the same weights training I would normally, but I wanted to make sure I I didn't leave it to three days to go and then yeah, have to yeah, do 50 Ks. Right. Yeah. So I'd hit the hundred Ks with about a week to go. And then took it easy, and then I realised there's a 150k option. So then I went for this. The the last yeah. two days. But I listened to this book, Nine Lies About Work, every single day when I went for my walks, and I just—I think I ended up buying seven domain names off the back of the book. It in, truly inspired me. There you go. Like it was life-changing. I'd turn it, turn up to clients, and I'd be—I'm lucky because I get to implement this stuff every day. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But it literally changed me. And so you talk about multitasking, the ability to get that kind of evidence you know, that kind of education and training whilst, you know, let's face it, look people pay you for your services, right? People pay me an hourly rate to, to speak in front of groups out there. And we offer that same education either through a digital platform for a small number every month or for free on podcasts and, and master classes and things like this. Yeah, It's kind of cool what we have access to now. It's,
1: it is pretty cool. I was just sort of thinking about the multitasking and the, like, I can't. I walk and I think, should I just be like in my own zen yeah. through that period, or shall I be walking across, you know, central train station in the morning, walking across trams, writing myself emails, listening yes, yes, to a yeah, podcast yeah, yeah. with a coffee in my hand, going, how relaxed am I actually now? But um, But yeah, I think the ability to consume more information or be more, you know, or try more things or be exposed, access to information and access to quality information has never been better um, without having to sit on a screen in front of a computer to do it.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, to answer that question out there, an hour and 20 is a long time to consume information. So maybe you can do both. Maybe you can have 30 minutes of relaxation or 45 minutes of relaxation, and then a little yeah. bit of time of learning. I will relax as I'm crossing the, the train station. <laughs> that's, that's, yeah, that's. No, a, I'm not
1: getting run over. Yeah.
0: So, when we did catch up, I sort of talked about this idea of then putting things into place, yeah. actually actioning things. And yeah. I think that's a that's a really critical skill. And whilst we say large organisations struggle with that because they find it hard to move quickly, I think two things. One. It can take away from some of those truly great companies who are big and move quickly.
1: Yeah, right. So, yeah,
0: okay. No, no, I'm not, I'm not saying that in a bad way because yeah. I, I'm the same. We, we see large organizations sometimes that, that can be so slow to move. Yeah. Right? You know, I, I joke sometimes with clients and say, we just wouldn't have a budget for something like that. Yet they're the same company who will call me a day before a major pitch or a day before the end of the financial year and say, hey, could you send us a bill for yeah. X? You know, like money's found when we, are truly driven by something yeah but I also think the 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 responsibility on the individual like if you're a salesperson don't blame the company if you're an executive don't blame that what can you do an action quickly that helps you be better at what you do or differentiate at what you do <coughs> so how do you take that on in your day-to-day
1: yeah so thinking back around my comment about large organizations so sometimes there's bureaucracy and red tape and budget and so forth but sometimes there's just like the ability for it not to fit into the technology. Like, you know, at work today, somebody said, oh, you know, we need to adapt the software to do that. I'm like, no, I'm sure we can do it without adapting the software. So um, I'm curious, and like, and if you said something to me, I'm probably way more likely to listen to you. That's why we keep catching up, because I kind of value the information. But depending on who it is and where it's coming from and so forth, like, I always want to challenge that because you know, for me to take something that we've spoken about the next day and have a crack at it or put it into place and see how it flies or test it with a couple of clients is one of those twenty experiments to me. And so an experiment doesn't mean that we need to launch a new product or put a new skateboard out there or something like that. It just means do we ask something differently? Do we put a do we ask for a referral? Do we you know we were talking about you know, getting out the student candidates that were, we're doing to be, you know, to, via, to, to how do we increase virality in the way that they refer a friend? And that's you know, an age-old question, but, you know, you could really overcook that. It could make it really easy. Like, yep. would it be really easy to just take... And, and again, maybe to your point saying, let's not try 20 things, but let's try one thing so we know what's different. Like, taking that one thing and putting it to 10 people out of 20 and yep. just seeing if they react differently to it. I guess that's just a curiosity or just like, you know, the role or the, the stage that your business is in and my business is in is not where we want it to be. Yeah, of course. So we know it needs to be somewhere. And so we know that if we had the formula now, we wouldn't be talking about this. We'd just be going, it's good and the wine's great. Yeah. So we go right. So we know that we need to kind of constantly challenge that. And and um, so I just think that curiosity. If, unless we think we know the right, if we know we have the answer, yeah. or we think we have the answer, we won't test things. Yeah. So I'm an open book, and I'm a, and I'm and I'm curious, and and I know that I don't have all the answers. Um, I'm very very passionate about getting the answers. Yeah. And the only way I'm going to do that is to be a sponge and go. Well, that seems interesting. Let's have a try. And I also say to the team. One of my favourite things to say to the team is there's nothing that you can do that will kill this business. Yep. Because sometimes they think that, oh, no, if I try something like that, yeah, yeah, it's okay. going to be irreversible damage and Alistair will sack me and I'm like, there's nothing yep. that you can do that's going to make, well, there might be some things you can do that make me sack you. But I'm, if you have a crack and you challenge it or you, yeah. or you put something in or run an experiment, one, the business won't die and two, I'm not going to crucify
0: you for it. Yeah. That's really good thinking, and I think, as a leader you're teaching me yeah. a bit there, um, I'm thinking straight away at Will, who's sitting behind the camera, who's a young guy who tries things all the time. And some of it is so cool. And some of it, it you, you question as well as is this perfect for the brand and so on. But you look at it and you just think, I just love that he's just he like he'll drive us way further forward than any of the rest of us because he's actually trying things. Yeah. He's trying like we get so caught up in Yeah, but we've done it this way. Yeah. We've always been this way. Well,
1: that's a bit dangerous. Or our clients might like that. Yeah, well, they're not going to leave
0: us. Yeah, that's right. And I think it's that piece of, of you know, what would the worst be? And, and I actually think personally now, sometimes, because I've built this business over so long, and I do have trust that it's me that's putting a protective scope over it that could hold us back from actually trying things. You become a control freak. Yeah, hundred I mean, percent. I'm a huge control freak um, in a lot of ways, and, and I think it, it's, uh, yeah. Will doesn't mean I'll suddenly let go. By the way, just to throw that out there, but it, but it is. It, it sometimes it is just to let go and say, well, what's the worst that would happen? As you said, it's not going to kill the business. No. Right. Someone might not like it.
1: If you keep making the same mistake over and over again, yes. we've got a problem. But man, go and have a bro- go, break it or twist it. Like yeah. You know, we've we've had a bunch recently that have just not worked nearly as much, and we so enthusiastically went into them. In fact, I didn't think some of the team had enough capacity and the day-to-day work to go and run this project or this program or whatever and then it failed dismally. and I'm like well okay and you know they were sheepishly like well you know maybe and and I said well you should have told me that there wasn't enough capacity in your time but i let you run with it and the only thing that we really can get out of this is a learning. So let's take that as a learning and everyone's sort of happy yeah. and we go, well, cool, well, we'll know what we're doing. As long as all our stakeholders are happy with that, we're going to learn from this, then, then I think that's always a win. Yeah. And sometimes, you know, you learn from your mistakes and, and, and so, yeah, just be open to making them. You don't have to, don't have to, a, don't have to lose a million dollars and drive a business into the ground to yeah. learn.
0: I think that as well, sometimes we think <laughs> a failure... Or a loss means the idea doesn't work so often we don't question the execution of it mm. and so if the team's running at capacity and it didn't work mm. maybe it's the idea maybe it's the concept maybe that's it's the execution, execution. and when we've got some capacity or maybe we need some extra capacity and, and let's really try it yeah. we're about to, to to invest in something quite heavily um, and we've got a jv partner that's really pushing and driving it so it's probably allowing us to do something we wouldn't be in a position to do for another yeah. six to twelve or maybe eighteen months and it's this idea, I was sitting in front of uh, these experts of what they do and they said, oh, I think we need more time and I think we need more budget. And I said, great. So the offer is there's X amount of dollars by this date or there's zero and it's not happening. And I said, do you think it's possible or do I need to find someone who can? And they said, oh, it's possible. Suddenly it, they changed its tune. I said, literally we are in a position where we have this opportunity. We won't have it in two months time. So it's either we pull together and make it work Or we choose not to, right? Yeah. The other thing you you said, and I just don't want it to be missed, is you said, uh, if you advise me on something, I'll take it because of a trust value that we have. Yeah. And I think back to someone you recommended me to recently who I've used quite Mm. intensively since Mm. then. And I didn't think twice about interviewing, and like I think it was five minutes in, go, yeah, so how do we, what do we do? You know, and how much time that saved me think about executive salespeople out there on how much time we spend trying to get product across and and information and we want to look like an expert. Whereas if you could just be trusted, how much it cuts through everything else?
1: Well, I mean, it's just like, it's the movie, right? Like if you put, if if I recommend you a movie or a wine or a restaurant, it better be good because like, it's almost like we we almost put more weight on that than we do on anything else, right? Like, you know, I've just... If, I, if I've if i seen a rubbish movie, I'm just not even going to mention it. If yep. I went to a, hmm, uh, okay, restaurant, I'm never going to talk about yep. it. So I'm only ever going to talk about the best movie I've seen or the best restaurant I've seen or the best wine I've seen because, um, you know, I might have been to five restaurants every week for the last 10 weeks. So I think that's... um. I've also... There's some people who I really... Um, rate, who are really good connectors. And and um, I know one of them, and you know this one, too. Um, uh, I remember when, early it's, on it's, in our country. Is he the one that connected us? Yeah. yeah in okay. our current sort of way we work, I, um, they'd say, like, what are you looking for? And I'd say this, this, and this, and he'd go, right, call this person, this person, this person, this person. Yeah. And i just get a phone number. Yep. And there was no, you know, Hi, meet Ali. There was none of this, right? It was just a list of phone numbers. And I would call up that person and I would say, oh, so-and-so sent me and then on went the conversation. But I I did all of them always. And I always went back to that person. I said, I've made these three calls. One person hung up on me. Two two people said, one said, meet me. The other one said, there's three other people you should meet. And um, I remember this person saying to me, "The fact that you come back and you tell me what's happened yeah. is the most valuable thing, which is why every time you ask me for something, I'll give you." Yes, is that you don't just take. Yeah. you take and loop back and and and, and do what you well, do what you're there for. So yeah. I can't have a hundred of those people because I'd never have enough time to do anything else except call people. But yeah. because that person's such a valuable connection, um, and and also, um, would only recommend movies or cinemas or food or wine that he rates. Yep. Then the connection is always good. Yeah. And you've got to, I think you've got to like just be really in tune with that stuff.
0: So, so the lesson in that, right, is is I often use this term, and I and I, crudely using it like you're training a puppy, is you reward the behaviour you want. Yep. So if the puppy goes and wees on the carpet, you don't give them a treat. All oh. right. But if they go outside and wee you race and you give them a treat and you say thank you. Yeah. And and their human behaviour is the same. Yeah. So we have people saying, I don't know why I never get referrals. Well, because you got a referral, it wasn't a great one, and then you said, hey, just so you know, I don't work with people like that, that's a really bad referral. So the first time they demonstrated the positive behaviour, you shot them down. Yeah. Odds are you'll never get a referral for them you, again. Don't,
1: or you- take the referral you don't do anything with it or you don't communicate or you don't feed back or you don't like there's so many ways and they
0: find out six months later that they're a client of yours and you're killing it with them and never mentioned it yeah and and it's that idea of you know you go back to them and say hey, just wanted to say thank you so much for thinking of me yeah um i gave them a call we had a conversation not normally where we would work but it's like you know we're we're going to be able to help them. And I've actually passed them on to this, 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 and this. So I just want to say thank you so much. Any chance for a cup of coffee, I could buy you just to say thank yeah. you. And that will also take you through some other ways you might be able to help. Yeah. You know, that conversation as opposed to, hey, we don't work with that type of client, only provide us with this. Yeah. And just hearing you talk that way and knowing the person you're talking about, like he's never going to send a. Hi, Ali, this is Johnny. Johnny runs a business like this. Ali, you're like this. Uh, I think you'd be really beneficial. No, he'd flick you a text and say, call Johnny on this number, and he'll be able to help you with this. Well, or, not even that. Ali. Yeah. Johnny. Yes, that's Allie. right. Yeah. And actually, um, i hadn't seen him in ages, and I saw him on my birthday. Mm. And I literally traveled after meetings on the north side into the city just to have a couple of wines <laughs> with him on my birthday before I went and had my family yeah. dinner. Um, so much is their respect, but I know that he would... I don't see him that often or speak that often, but he'd drop anything to yeah. help if he could. Yeah. Um, yeah.
1: I, I think um, yeah, just having that bit of process and knowing that connection stuff, and yeah, that's kind of really valuable, and and not letting that stuff stuff slide. And I guess you know, like the dog analogy is, it's almost a bit like, you know, I bet you he gets a bit of a kick out of that, right? Of course, he does. And so it's like treat, you know, treat people like you want to be treated and the sales is the same. And, so, and that just breaks down all barriers. And if those connections come with that reason for connection like it did with, with the person you met the other day through us, then yep. I'm not going to tell you about a bad movie, Johnny. No, <laughs> yeah, but, but,
0: I, but I took it on board straight away because yeah, yeah. you, you also genuinely thought about it and mm. said, if you want, I can introduce you. Would you? Yeah, yeah, would you yeah. like that?
1: I wasn't as as hesitant. No, sure. it wasn't quite that. Yeah, yeah.
0: But but I think it's great. I think again, if you, if you take one thing from this, if people are helping you out, make sure they know how grateful you are, mm. and they will keep doing it. Yeah, yeah, Right. Yeah. It, it, it's a really simple approach. Yeah. But it, but it's so obviously missed. And there was a, you know, one of my clients the other day got a referral from another client. Been working for two and a half years trying to get referrals from this firm, finally got one. And, and he said, and I've, I've landed, it's really great. So what are you going to do about it? Oh, I'm going I'm to, in a few months, we've got lunch and I'll pay for it. I said, too late. You can't do the treat three months later. I yeah. said, have something on their desk by close of business today. Yeah. Something. And so he sent me a text that day and said, I just got the most excited call because a bottle of Johnny Walker Blue Label landed on his desk with a nice handwritten card. Yeah, right. And he, he said, the guy's so excited. And then told me, he's got another person he wants me to, to meet. And I said, and just remember, you're not doing it for that. Yeah. You were just genuinely showing gratitude, right? The rest will come. And I think that's the piece where if you come back to where this first started, be genuine, be authentic, you know, live and work with purpose. And if you do that and you look after people and you live in the right behaviors over time, it will come back to you. Sure. Right. And as you said, we don't have every single answer, but we're trying. Right. It's that idea where we're pushing things out there and I feel like our business is solving a problem that some of our clients don't think it's the solution for, but my expertise is, tells me it is. And so this idea of you know, teams are getting smaller, but budgets are getting bigger, right? That if the budgets are smaller to train and put these you know, best practices in place, how do we do that? And then how do you make sure that, that it's actually embedded? How do you actually make sure Teams of people do what you do naturally, which is just do it, just embed it. You know, when you've got 40 people in a team or this one we're working with at the moment, 250 people, that's in one team. They've yeah, got 1500 wow. across all of them. Yeah. You know, the biggest problem is their top people write heaps of business, Sure. right? Their bottom people write really little business. Yeah. What do we have to do to try and get the bottom people to start writing closer to that? Yeah. If you do that across a team of 1,500 people, imagine the impact. Yeah, I
1: mean, it's, and right? it's just incremental across every quartile there,
0: right? 100%.
1: But that's, that's the same. That's always been the way, isn't it? The 80-20
0: rule? Yep. So, and I suppose that's, you know, if I think about the purpose of what we do, that's what we're trying to change. Mm. We're trying to sort of that idea of imagine if everyone could be a high performer, considering in sales, it's learnt. Yeah. Right? It's a skill that's learnt.
1: Yeah. And then that's back to like doing it for years. Yes.
0: So tell me, final piece, I'm just sort of looking at how much longer I've got you for. Um, This piece of, you've been doing this for a little bit now, it's not six months in or a year in, and every time I see you and speak to you, your energy level goes up as opposed to down, yet I imagine that there's harder times out there. And I think it's that, this idea of resilience, and whether it's in business, whether it's leadership, whether it's sales, that idea of just stick with itness. You know that idea of you know not for the sake of it. You've got to have a belief, and it's actually got to be improving and working towards it. But how big a role is that resilience piece played for you?
1: Um, yeah, you can't so you can't blindly walk off a cliff, right? So that's one really important thing. Um, but yeah, and look, I tell you, as I get older, Johnny, I am I'm like I'm more and more self-aware, um, and I'm very very clear that I have like a burnout place. And I kind of sometimes laugh about, you know, that I can just work on raw energy and excitement and enthusiasm. Like, I, you know, I'm passionate about what we do. I'm passionate about the team. Um, the buck stops with me, which I kind of like and have spent, you know, 10 years. Well, it was 2011 since I left my last real job. Wow. So that's thir- uh, 12 years. Ten years this business, and 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 nearly four years in in this current um, iteration of it, the buck stops with me. So that's sort of one bit, um, but being very focused on your why, being clear on the difference that you can make, um, being authentic, um, and being curious, I think are really important things. But um, the thing that I'm probably outwardly look like I'm really good at, but inwardly really spend a lot of time and more and more focusing on, is managing this. Yeah. Um, and, you know, um, I, I, <laughs> I don't like telling too many people this, and now I'm gonna put it on a podcast, but like, things like, like I walk a lot. Yeah. Um, and and I'll, so I'll walk into the city three times a week and that's eight kilometres from where I live and that's, that's, that's me time. Yeah. Um, and I have young kids, so that's a bit of a, a sort of energy break for me. But um, I also um, focus on my fitness and also I'm about to start doing kind of um, solo sort of 24 hours by myself um, exercises. And what I mean by that is like, is I'm going to go out fishing and camping by myself yep. just for 24 hours on a on a Monday where no one's around me and I'm not gonna miss the kids and I can just be me. Yep. And I think I'm just getting really, really conscious of burnout and yep. um, and energy, and so I, I want to sustain it. So it happens and you need to, be, but, but having a clear purpose, having a why, being driven, knowing the buck stops with you, having passion are all great, but then just being really, really aware that we're an engine and, yep. and engines need to be looked after. I think that's the combination of those two. And sometimes, you know, like in the engine, I get very close to needing a full service. Yep. So I,
0: I, and I'm more and more conscious of where that is now than I've ever been before. I love that. And I think sometimes we get so caught up in avoiding burnout yeah. as opposed to maintaining high performance. Yeah. And and how do you be a high performer for a long period of time? Um, I love that idea of 24 hours on your own, um, to mm. share with you. Um, I might surprise you, I'm very hard to buy presents for mm-hmm. um, because when I want things, I tend to get them yeah. and beyond that, I've got very little interest in other things. Yeah. And so my family, every birthday and Christmas struggle because I say, just get me some undies and socks Yeah. and they know which to buy because they buy the same brand and have done for 20 <laughs> years of all of them. So it's all pretty easy for me. But for my birthday, they bought me a hotel voucher mm-hmm. because they know that I do need time alone. And yeah. so... You know, last year I drove to the Central Coast, I'm into my cars, so I drove my car, the old road, had a bit of fun, and I pulled into the Crown Plaza at Terrigal, and I had a bottle of wine that I opened up and put on ice, I went for a swim in the ocean, even though it was absolutely freezing, because I just love the ocean, I went for a walk, I ordered some food and sat in a restaurant, and then came back and just watched a movie and had a glass of wine on the balcony looking over the water, got up the next morning, did a body surf and just jumped in, had breakfast somewhere random. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I think I went and exercised, and then I, um, I had lunch at a, at a dim sum place that someone had recommended yeah. and stopped on the way home and got some oysters and prawns because I saw a sign and yeah. I could because I wasn't on yeah. anyone else's schedule. And that 24 hours just fed me and my soul, so to speak. It was phenomenal. Yeah. Some people need lots of travel in their life to fill their cup, so to speak. I'm fortunate that I don't think I do, because I do love what I'm doing every day. But in that every day, I have 20 to 30 minutes of meditation on my own. You meditate every day. Um, When do you find time to that? I do it at six o'clock in the morning. Yep. Yeah. Straight out of bed, straight to that. I I literally wake up. I don't check my phone most days, unless I'm waiting for a pitch result to come through or something like that. And then I just plug some headphones in, and I'll either do go where do you do that or I got it in bed. Yep. Or I'll get out you and sit, sit on a sit up? Show. Yep. Sit up and
1: then I just start. And um, you listen to an app that helps. I think this is, people will want this information.
0: I, I, I have a downloaded one that I have bought off yep. someone specific. Yep. Um, it, it's Dr. Joe Dispenza. Right. Or I'll guide myself. Yep. I actually find myself, it easier to guide myself than I do others yep. out there. When I was going through harder times and I was really struggling with keeping focus and motivation mm. and so on, I found myself meditating multiple times a day as a reaction to not feeling right. Yeah, yeah. Whereas I found now, if I keep it going, I found a type of training that I love. So I, I love weights. Yep. And so I, I'm into that. It drives me. Uh, poor Will has to hear about it on a regular when basis. do you do and that? What time, time of the day least, do you do that? I do that at 7.30 or eight o'clock in the morning. Meditate, breakfast, then gym. I don't do breakfast in the morning. I do breakfast after the gym. Yep. I get my kids up. In the morning or they're or they're up already and i get them dressed every morning because it's just that's something Mm. when i'm not traveling i get to do every Mm. morning and it again fills that cup and a cuddle and then i just i pack everything i need for the day because i walk out of the door in gym gear often i'll be dressed in casual but i've got to make sure i've got everything set for the day do i pack food for the day yeah Yeah, so i'm I'm sort of my mindset on that and then i drive past the coffee shop I pick up my coffee, I pick up one for my trainer if I'm training with him, or I pick up one for the guy on the front desk, Harry, who's just yeah. a legend. I just I don't know why, I just yeah. buy him a cup of coffee. And I'll either do weights or Pilates on Tuesdays and, and that's my start to the day. Yeah. And it is very rare, except one of my clients in NZ, that I will ever do a meeting prior to nine fifteen or nine thirty in the morning. Yeah. Ever. Because yeah. that morning ritual is like a holiday.
1: Yeah.
0: Right? Perfect. And then you know, I'll be here in the office on my own till most days till 7pm and I'll be returning calls and things like this uh, and then realise some people aren't up working till whatever all hours and then I'll go home, put my kids to bed and yep. then I'll worry about my dinner. Yep. All right? Uh, and and. and so I'll, what time's that at night when uh, you're worrying about your dinner?
1: What eight, time are the kids? 8, 8.30. Yep. Yeah. And what time are you in bed?
0: Uh, 10. Yep. Yeah. So 10 to 6. You know, It's normally 10.30 by the time I'm asleep and things like that but yeah. and, and I suppose my point from this, and maybe we're, you know, going off track is that how do you maintain high performance? I can tell when I'm going off my high performance. Yeah. Like I had a sauna. So on the weekend, I had a couple of saunas and things like this, an infrared sauna. Some days I'll just relax in the sauna. Other days I'll watch the footy, yeah. you know, and, and I was talking to someone at work. So I will again, this idea of sometimes just listen to your body. Yeah. Right? And some days you don't need the biggest session in the world, but other days you just, you yeah. know, last Friday I got out of bed, I just felt amazing. Yeah. And we did probably the biggest weight session I've done in my life, mm-hmm. right? But you, I felt ready for it. And yeah. so I think it's that idea of, that you know, we call it an operating rhythm, but how do you get your mindset right that allows you to keep high levels of energy for a long period of time?
1: Well, I think this is, but this is important because I think that this is where people, Fail like you know you can get caught traveling, you can get caught going out for dinners, you can caught, get caught up in all this stuff that breaks this routine, and then all of a sudden you start to, you know, feel it. And then you know, you know like I was looking at my diary today, and I, I think next Wednesday I've got like seven meetings in the day, and, I'm like, and i and I was thinking to myself, if I'm if I haven't done my Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday routine before I enter that Wednesday, I'm yep. going to be cactus. It's just like it's not going to work. So. Um, I think it's really important that but,
0: but you can see what you've done there though. You've looked ahead, thought yeah. ahead. Cause this is what I do yeah. and I say, Oh, I've got it. Like my week next week is insane. So I need to make sure I've got three alcohol free days leading into it. I've got to make sure that I, you know, and, and I'll actually fire into mark it. Mark my week up prepared for that. So, cause I, I hate the belief of getting through a week. I want to yeah. thrive. Like how do I thrive if I've got a big pitch to do or a a keynote in front of hundreds of people? That doesn't want to to be the end of the week. I don't want to get through it. I want to, and I have this this measure sometimes that if I'm finishing the week on a high, then what a week. If I've had a massive week and I've thrived throughout it and I still feel great on Friday afternoon, then I've nailed it. And that's that piece is I just want it not to be missed again. Look ahead, and think about energy levels. I'm going to find it really hard to be present at the seventh meeting on that day unless. eaten well yeah i've got my walk in i've had some time in between let's leave like no one from my team can call me from this piece here yeah and and really sort of fight for that that energy level 100 percent, and being conscious about it i think yeah
1: that's the resilience i think resilience you can't just have unwavering belief you need to also manage yourself and realize that you're a machine
0: did you always do that or is that something new
1: i don't know I remember working for a large organisation and Jeep. We used to burn the candle at both ends, but I always was. I an. Early, I've always been an early bird. Yeah, I've okay. always believed about getting up and getting on um, the. Like, what time are you up? Uh, this morning, I was up at four thirty. Oh wow! But um, I've got it. I've actually let that go a little bit in the last six months. So um, yeah, I walk in the mornings. That's my kind of thing. I walk to the gym. Yeah. I spend when I'm at the gym. I'm probably you know just sort of counting time more than anything else. I do push some weights around and stuff like that. But my big thing is a big long walk. But I like getting up early. I have young kids, so I kind of like to put them to bed, eat dinner with them, put them to bed, and then kind of be half an hour after them. Yeah, okay. Which I think is really, really good. And yeah, so especially early in the week, I stay really structured to that routine. Yeah, I love that. And, um, And then by the time the rest of the team are in the office, I've been at my desk for an hour and I've cleared the table and I'm ready to go, right? Yeah.
0: I, I, look, I just think it's, it's one of these things and, and I, you know, you read the 5am club and the, the need for that to be a success. And then you just also hear people say, well, you're different to me.
1: Oh, you just, you how, need to how sleep. Do you operate? It's it? sleeping and eating. Yeah. I reckon sleeping, eating and exercise And, I, and I, I would, I would love to be up there doing my half hour of TV or hour of TV at midnight. I'd like watching American sport or something. I'd love it to be that way. I just yeah. find that if I get up in the morning and out of the house, in a way that when I get home at night, I'm present with the kids. I'm tired, but I've performed. Yeah. It just it just works for me. Yeah. So I, I completely don't think that people should necessarily be up. I, I'm up because it works for me, but yeah. I would equally be happy, you know, sleeping until 10 o'clock because I've been up till 2.
0: Yeah, my hour and a half to two hours of a night in the office on my own is some of the most productive, creative time, but you'll never see me on Zoom. No. I'll take phone calls, but I won't jump on a Zoom no. with anybody. This is where I catch up on things. I just don't want to. I'm yeah. just a bit, a bit. I've seen a lot of people. I've given yeah. a lot of energy. I can sit on my foam roller. I can do stretching while I'm on the phone because yeah, yeah, of the AirPods. Yeah, yeah. You know, I can, I can actually really get stuff done. Yeah. And then prepare myself to to mentally be ready when I get in front of the kids. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ali. Um, I've had a lot of your time today. So I want to say a big thank you (laughs) for that. Uh, I think we could talk for another three hours and keep going. If you're open to it, let's do it again. Sure. Uh, And obviously I owe you on the Striver podcast if you'll have me. So that'd be great. But I think, you know, a couple of main things that that I take from it is, is, you know, number one, whilst you don't see yourself in sales, you understand that it is your role is to influence people and so on. I, I think that idea of don't just talk about it, do it like throw things at a wall, have a crack at it. But that doesn't mean spend four months leading up to it to try it or three years. Just try something. Yeah. What's the, as you said, ask another question, you know, just just do something differently present it differently and really try. But another big piece about it, if you want to be a high performer is you've got to work on all aspects of your life so you can be high performing throughout. And I think that's a piece that certainly I probably learned later, in life. I think we all do. Yeah, and it sounds yeah, a bit ironic with me talking about high performance when I'm sitting here uh, with a bit of extra weight that I need to lose. But certainly, um, I believe I can achieve a lot in a day if I'm doing everything else right. Yeah. And it's significant what you can get out there. Yeah, sure. Thank you for this. Cheers. No Good worries. To see you again. No, thank and, you. And uh, for everyone there, I hope you got a lot out of it. Yeah. Cheers. Thanks, John. Thanks, Ali. Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Cheers.